And on July 4th, weekend, 1999, I had four Bibles put in my hand. One was at the hotel room because we were being evicted. One was in the crack deal at my, di- my dishes that I kept in my crack dealer's house while I was being evicted. That was the last box. I opened up the first Samuel chapter one, first verse jumped out at me, verse 14. Must you come here drunk, throw away your wine. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. In most movies, Todd, there is a villain oh, that was an interesting and a hero. Jump. You're just I'm jumping right in. Movies. I, you must have seen a movie recently that... No, I'm jumping oh, right okay. in with the intro. Okay. Do you have a problem with that? <laughs> no, that's good. All right. <laughs> Keep going about movies. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in most movies, there's a villain and a hero. And right. we look for that that hero to take down the villain. And we get so excited, so much so that in movie theaters, you hear people clapping at yeah. the end and they're so excited when the hero wins. But what if you are the villain that becomes a hero? Oh, there are plenty of movies about that. Well, too, where the bad guy becomes the good guy. And really, when you boil it all down, it's about a breakthrough of some kind, right? And this is what's cool about our guest today, because he was, let's call him like a quasi-villain. Maybe he was an all-out villain. In his story, he became the hero in and through what Jesus did in his life. We're going to hear about that. Yeah, you're going to learn today that no matter what issue you're dealing with, from drug addiction to a bad marriage, breakthroughs are always possible. You are an overcomer. Today's guest, Chuck Reich, knows really well what it's like to be an overcomer. And he's gone from being a drug addict to today he's a pastor, Mm -hmm. an ordained pastor, and he's got a real heart for evangelism, for discipleship. He's got a passion to teach the Bible in small group settings. So if he's a pastor, it's good. Yeah, he's got a good passion for that, exactly. And he's married to Annette. They live in Farmington, New Mexico. And Annette is president of Navajo Ministries, Four Corners Home for Children. That's a great area and what a phenomenal ministry. Chuck also pastors Fruitland Christian Fellowship. Yes. And back in 2007, Chuck was led to launch Horizon Media Studios. And the mission was to produce television programs highlighting the body of Christ in action, which would complement the great teaching and preaching on Christian TV networks. HMS has partnered with over 225 Christ-centered Bible-believing ministries, producing segments and half-hour documentaries for Revelations and Answering the Call. We are so excited to have Pastor Chuck Reish with us today. Welcome to Your Biggest Breakthrough. Hello, my friend. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yes, we're so excited. Before we started the interview, we dialogued a bit, and you're like, Everyone's got a good story. Everyone's got a book in them. You've got maybe a couple books because you are just an overcomer in Christ. And I didn't even know your story. I've known you for many years through NRB, National Religious Broadcasting and such, but I never knew your story. So anyway, so excited to have you. Let's start with the villain. The villain. Did you like that intro? You didn't yeah, like for those parents out there, I was the oh, kid. You didn't want your daughter to date, right? Oh boy! And God gave me three daughters, and He was like, "Okay, that's keep an funny. eye out for guys like you." Then you had a head up on that one. Yeah, take us back to the beginning. 
though, I would just encourage anyone, even in your intro, I was thinking, I've, I've heard it said a million different ways, but the best two is that God can take your mess and turn it into a message and your misery can become your ministry. So whatever quicksand you're drowning in today, and it could be sex, drugs, rock and roll, fill in the blank, chocolate. And some people say, don't don't throw chocolate under the bus. That's my last one. (laughs) Oh, no, throw it under the bus. (laughs) I know how you feel about healthy eating and healthy lifestyle. Yeah, we throw it under the bus on a regular basis. (laughs) But when you're up here and you cry out to God for help and he pulls you out of that mess, now you can relate to those that are still drowning in it. And it's just, and when you were talking about the villain in the movie, and I got to just say this too, because in my Bible reading front to cover, I'm going through missing a couple of days. And two mornings ago, I was back in January because I was traveling. And in Ezekiel, he actually says, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways and live, turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And sometimes in the movie, when we see the bad guy get it at the end, we're like, yes, justice served. And the Mm -hmm. whole movie, you're waiting for this bad guy to be flicked off the planet, taken out. And we rejoice when we see them crash and burn at the end. But God doesn't take any pleasure in that. And that shocks me. Like, we're not like God. God sees Mm -hmm. it. It's like it breaks his heart. Another one bites the dust. That probably inspired that song from from Queen. Not, Breaks his but... heart. <laughs> Are we allowed to use secular bands for references? Absolutely. But that's a great perspective, though, Chuck. I don't think many of us really consider that because we want the bad guys always to just get obliterated. But yeah, God's love is so different. So how do we're going to have you unpack your story? But how do we just for a moment here? What do we do to tap into that so that we're not the ones who sit back and say, yeah, kill them, God, kill them all. What do we do to have the love of God for those who, you know, are the villains? And what's really cool, too, is, you know, God doesn't sugarcoat his characters in the Bible, even the Psalms, like half the Psalms were written by David. And some of them is get them, Lord, get them. And then by the end of the Psalm, he's like, oh, rejoice the Lord. Oh, my God, I love you. Praise the Lord. But at the beginning, he's venting. He's and these are feelings, these emotions. And there's a side of God that has a justice meter. He knows when to throw down the hammer and judgment. He knows when to show mercy and be gracious. And we're human. We're and and rightfully injustices in the world like sexual human trafficking, sound of freedom just came out. It's raising a lot of attention. It makes you mad. And it made Jesus mad when you hurt a child. He said it's better to have tie a millstone around his neck and throw him in the ocean and someone who causes one of these little ones to sin. So we see both sides of God, that there is a justice to it. But at the end of the day, our job is always to pray for someone, think the best, encourage them to do the right thing, encourage mm-hmm. them to turn to God, or just keep trying to point people to Jesus. Whether they do or not, they've been warned, they've been told, and we let God deal with them. And at some point, we may just need to distance ourselves to keep us safe. As well. There's a lot of wisdom, and we could talk about this. We could probably do a 13-part series on this one topic alone. <laughs> Yeah, just but at the end of the day, I know God could have and should have and justly so flipped me off the planet. Mm. I was raised in a Catholic home. Uh, I remember having my first Holy Communion in second grade. And uh, this is the body. This is the blood broken for you, shed for you. And ding, it would ring the bell. And I was always fascinated with communion. And I had no problem with the Trinity. But I grew up in a home with two older brothers. They had a newspaper route, sign a stack of Playboys, penthouse that one man was throwing out was our treasure. And under our mattresses was a healthy diet of porn. Then smoking weed, moved to South Florida, smoking weed. 
And eventually, I never thought we'd do any bit any more than just drink pot, smoke weed, and sleep with all the high school pretty girls that would. On the weekends, we had a plan. They didn't drink beer. We got wine coolers. And again, I was that kid that you didn't want your daughter going out with because I had the car and all that. And before you know it, introduced the free base cocaine, chasing a record deal. I thought I was going to be a rock star. And that whole industry is a slippery slope, right? Fame, all that you're trying to pursue. And how, how did you get introduced cocaine. to that cocaine? Was it your brothers or was it a friend? Or So it was a family member. It was a cousin. And she was a hottie too, must admit, even back in the day, I had a crush on my cousin who was my same age. I was eight years old the last time I saw her. Then by the time I was 21, 22 in New York chasing this record deal, she calls from New Jersey and says, hey, Charlie, do you, hey, I heard you're in town. Let's, you know, let's hang out. Hey, do you party? I'm like, smoke pot, drink beer. She goes, here, try this. Hmm. Head buzz. And from 23 to 30 years old, chasing crack and just down to 141 pounds. When I was praying, I had a really good prayer life going into drug town. God, I want to get in. I want to get out. Don't want to get caught. Don't want to get robbed. I want to get killed. Can you help? Can you help me get away yeah, with my yeah, sin? Yeah. Wow. And there's so a verse in Proverbs that says, he who turns his ear away from the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. We're just asking for God to help us get away with our sin. Exactly. And I was a carnal believer, if you will. Chuck, you had this foundation, though, of being brought up Catholic. Did you just leave that whole thing? And and where were your parents at during this time too? When they saw you start to progress towards these things that weren't so good, what was your relationship with them like? And what was your relationship uh, with the church? That's a great question. Like? My mom was a pastor's kid. Her dad was a Seventh-day Adventist, very legalistic, chased her and her sisters out of the house. But he found grace when he was 70. But he was also the mayor and a pastor. And you're living in the fishbowl. The whole community is watching you. So they were very strict and but again, biblical. So I'm sure my grandfather was praying for his grandchildren. Mm. And uh, so I met him once when I was like six years old. And then he passed away when I was, he still lived in Argentina. So my mom was the strict one in the house. No smoking pot in my house. Stop bringing these girls in my house. They knew what we were doing in the rooms when we'd sneak mm. them in at night. My dad was grace, all grace, enabler grace. Mm. And that's for a long time. I, God, they say, as you look at God the same way you do as your dad very graceful, get away with murder. He'll forgive me. And you just keep moving on. So somewhere in the middle is where, again, God is really, he's not man. He's so. And so but, were you still uh, checking in on Sunday mornings at mass? So I, I remember 18, again, one girl finally thought she was pregnant and thought I was the dad. And I'm like, going back to church, God, what am I going to do with my life? I'm in trouble. And even in that little five minute homily throughout a sex outside of marriage is a sin. I'm like, I'm out of here. I didn't like that rule. And Jesus didn't stop me at the back door. Right. So there mm. I go chasing my idols until you're finally in a place where you need to cry out to God. I was 31, had a, some stripper girlfriends. I had a lawyer who liked my stripper girlfriend representing all the drug dealers in Fort Lauderdale, giving me all the crack I wanted because the lawyer is showing up to get him out of jail. Wow. And I've got it's this three-ring circus. You were a businessman <laughs> way back when. Wow. Any good okay. addict will find a way to supply his need, whatever it is. Um, and anyway, I was having a cash flow issue running a law firm with drug dealers who don't like to give you cash, but give you product. And we couldn't even pay the parking and motions and dry cleaning bills for our suits. And I cry out to God, God, help me run a better law firm. And on July 4th weekend, 1999, I had four Bibles put in my hand. One was at the hotel room because we were being evicted. One was in the crack deal at my, di my dishes that I kept in my crack dealer's house while I was being evicted. That was the last box. I opened up the first Samuel chapter one, first verse jumped out at me, verse 14. 
must you come here drunk, throw away your wine? Oh, wow. And God flipped it on me. Goosebumps. I'm like, you're mm -hmm. crying out to me, smoking crack. How long are you going to smoke crack, throw away your crack? I open up to the front of the study Bible. My daughter, who was born a year earlier from my stripper girlfriend, July 7th, 98. It says a gift from her friend, July 7th, 97. I'm like, this is my daughter's birthday a year before she's born. Oh, yeah, she's turning one in three days. And I just broke like God. This was a God had his Bible waiting for me to get my attention. I was a numbers guy. You always we were, my dad played gambling and horses and dogs. And we always played our birthdays, two, three, three, five. My brother's birthday, June 23rd. And all these verses, chapter two, verse three, pop out of me. Wouldn't you know it? Hey, that's my birthday. Chapter two, verse three. So God was using numbers uh -huh. to keep me going back to the book and reading all these verses. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, famous verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Hey, that's Kenny's birthday, 3, 5, March 5th. And so uh, before you know it, I'm still smoking crap, looking at porn, and reading my Bible. Wow. Hence the reason why God could have flicked me off the planet a long time ago. <laughs> he but knew he your was heart. patient with me, and he slowly but surely was introducing me to verses. And then back to your question, you say, I see what the Catholics believe. Why are they talking to Mary? So I started reading the Bible front to cover, and I just want to encourage anybody. There's a lot of Christians who have been a Christian a long time who have not read the Bible front to cover at least once. And they have Bible apps now. You can just listen to it. It's really important that you know what's in it, and it's really important you know what's not in it because there's a lot of conjecture, even from some of the best pastors and preachers I've heard on radio and TV. Sometimes they over-explain things. And they start contradicting some other Bible verses in another area of scripture mm -hmm. and their best of intentions of trying to explain one particular verse. I think it's fascinating that because I grew up Catholic also, and we had a big, huge Bible on the coffee table that we weren't allowed to touch. But here, 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 seriously, because you will never understand it. Let the priest. It's holy. It. And you don't really yeah. know what that word means. You know, yeah. holy water. Right. Everything was right. like. Yeah. yeah, But for my Catholic friends, I just want to say so many wonderful changes have happened within the right. Catholic Church, and the oh, Word has become sure. very prominent. But yeah. here you are, I think God has planted in you this curiosity and fascination. You pick up a book you really weren't familiar with at all, and it's almost like instantly you had faith to believe that God was speaking to you. That's well, the power the of His Word. He even helps you turn the pages. There's not a bad page in the book. But I remember the second thing I opened up to was Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I can restore the years the locust mm. ate away. Mm. And I had a seven-year addiction from 23 to 30 at this point. I'm reading the Bible. I knew I'd burn some brain cells. I knew I was the behind, developedly, socially, just chasing my addiction. I quit going to college, quit going to school, and just had telemarketing jobs. And I'm like, God, I'm interested. You can restore the seven years I've wasted? Sign me up. But it was like a Rima word. I heard it in my heart. And right then I heard the voice. Chuck, I'm going to help you overcome your addiction. I'm going to make you a pastor. And I'm going to use you to help other people overcome wow. addiction. And now, 22 years later, set free from drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, and porn and all that. Now we're working with Mike Lindell, the Lindell Recovery Network. Wendy and I, we get, we're doing testimonies. Because Revelations 12:11 says they overcame him, the evil one, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And yeah. the world, unbelievers don't like preaching. They just don't. It's like bug spray to them. But they love a good story. And that's what I love what you guys are doing. You're getting uh -huh. testimonies. Thank you. Well, in a testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I'm just so grateful that, first of all, God just really not just loves you, but likes you for him to give you four Bibles on July 4th. He knows you're a numbers guy. Like <laughs> yeah, even the right. fact that there's four Bibles on July 4th, just yeah, all yeah. these different things. And then your daughter's birthday, it just, it, it all added up. And that's what made it 
even more miraculous for you. And he knew how to talk with you. So I think that's even so cool. I was a lazy reader. I wouldn't even read the bold print on the newspaper. I just did not like to read. Really? I watched the movie. I listened. Yeah. But the numbers, he's into numbers. He's got a book. One of them is called Tell Numbers. numbers. <laughs> you know, he's a mathematician oh. above all mathematicians, oh, right? So, that, that's a stretch right there, but that's a good one. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so you were an addict. God just totally miraculously healed you and yanked you out of that lifestyle. So when did th this pastoral call come about? Was it immediately? Was How did all that play out? So that's a good story. And I want to encourage anybody. Post-COVID, the enemy said, don't go to church. You can't go to church. You don't have to go to church. And you're right. You don't have to go, but you actually get to go. They don't charge a cover. They don't bounces at the door. They won't They don't cherry pick who can come in. All is welcome. You're allowed to come in and hang out with the coolest people on the planet. Not perfect, but the best people on the planet are the ones who are helping people. And those are the ones who are showing up trying to serve one another. There's only one perfect Jesus, no perfect pastors, no perfect churches. But what was really cool was as I'm reading my Bible, I'm even sharing it with drug dealers. The, the guy who I found the Bible with, his parents were ministers and he was the prodigal son drug dealer. And he's like, yo, dog, I need my Bible back. I'm like, you're not reading it. Yo, he's like, you got a week, get your own Bible, bring my Bible back. That's the house Bible, dog. I'm like, all right. And that's my first interpretation for tongues was to be able to talk with the brothers in the hood. I'm talking <laughs> tongues, right? Yo, what's up? What's up? You need 20? I got home credit. I thought, yeah, I'm uh, talking in tongues. That was my first interpretation when I you, came You do it. I'm telling you what, you do it well. God is so patient with you. That's hilarious. <laughs> but what was cool was, so by October 31st, Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale was booming. They just got a 75-acre campus. Oh. And they reconverted this giant warehouse into 2,000 seats. Great band which was important. Catholics were known for the organ and the soprano lady singing behind the curtain, Good, yeah. Abba Maria, whatever. And it just didn't do nothing for me as a musician. But when I went to Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, Pastor Clay, the worship band with drums and guitar, felt like I went to a concert and mm. Pastor Bob came out. He was funny. He's throwing Bible verses out. And with the address, and I'm like, I know if I look it up, it's going to say what he just said. And that brought a lot of credibility to me. So immediately I started praying, God, I want to be able to do that. I want to mm. be able to show people where it's at in the Bible, just so they don't think it's my opinion. This is your word, and I want to be like a tour bus, mm. highlighting them, bringing them to some of the great stops in the Bible, some of the famous verses, because I believe the Word of God does all the work, and we're just looking at it, rereading it. It's amazing how a verse may speak to you differently on any given day based on where you're at, because he's mm. the author, and the Holy Spirit is the teacher. So I just want to always encourage people, get plugged into a Bible teaching church, um, and they were going book by book, verse by verse. And you start realizing this book isn't really as intimidating as you think it is hmm. if you systematically work through it and God will help you understand it. But getting plugged in there and eventually I was still dabbling, relapsing a little bit, but they had a place called Calvary House for men and there's about 40 guys. So I eventually had to submit to a nine month program where they put training wheels on. And after four or five weeks, relapse is one of those big words when you're trying to quit something. And a lot of people quit trying to quit. I'm like, just keep trying to quit because eventually it'll stick. You'll get victory and it'll be in a re far rear view mirror. Did you relapse and, uh, on drugs? you need a place. Did you yeah, relapse so, on drugs you know, or pornography or both? All of it. Even so by April, that following April, they had a baptism, quiet waters, like 40, 50 people out there. And I'm like coming to the water's edge saying, I'm still struggling with this crack addiction. I feel like there's a call for ministry on my life. And two guys said, Hey, have you ever heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm like, 
Now, so this is a baptism of repentance. It's a believer's baptism. But if you're called to ministry, you're going to need some help. And the Holy Spirit's going to give you some power to walk in your ministry. So let's ask for that. And like, let's do it. You get dunked. I come out crying like a baby. There was even a little seagull in Florida, which is oh, like no. the dove. Forget Jesus. the dove. Like, it was a seagull. Lord, or what? Seagull flying uh, above. Yeah, like, that's Jesus. perfect. And six weeks later, there I am again, stuck like Chuck in a hotel room with my crack pipe, my Bible, and pornography, wanting to die because I felt like I'd left God down. And I think mm. a lot of overdoses are people who are so struggling with their conviction that they yeah. relapse again. They're trying to medicate that pain. They take too much. And now they're in the presence of God. I believe there's a lot of believers who are in heaven because they never really got the total victory. And while I'm doing that, I just want to make sure I don't lose power. Two seconds. Ask hey, the next no worries. Question. And I noticed on his, in the background, he's got Overcomers TV on, which is live. And during our little interview here, we had Marina on and Elisa Burkhart Worley. I'm like, those are oh, my yeah, friends. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. fun. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So you had to struggle with your own guilt and shame and decision to make. That is, do I just give up on the God thing and just go with where my tendencies always drive me? Or do I really truly try to stop? And it sounds like that happened a number of times for you. Right. Because I still kept going to church and kept reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit, like what he says, he loves you and likes you. He's not going to give up on you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So if you receive Christ, he's on the inside. And as a pig decides to jump back in the mud, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be comfortable. Praise God, there's conviction. But there's a fine line from a good, healthy conviction to feeling like you're condemned. The enemy will pounce on that and make you feel like, Look at you. You think you're going to be this. You're going to, you can't do it. You can't. He's just whispering in your ear. You're no good. You can't do it. So you need to have people around you and sometimes tough love families or enablers. And sometimes people, not every situation is the same, but some people need a safe place to heal, to be strengthened, to have training wheels on. And after nine months, we can take the training wheels off and now you can ride your bike without falling into the ditch to work, you know, wherever you need to go and come back home and be the husband, be the dad, be the, the person you need to be or a woman. Yeah. That's why there's Christ-centered recovery programs, Salvation Army, Teen Challenges. The, the numbers are phenomenal when it comes to five years later, still working drug-free because they gave a season of their life up to a year to be in a program. And it's Christ-centered versus the secular programs have a five or 10% success rate versus 80% if it's Christ-centered. So that's proof that God is working if it's, yeah, you know, biblical. Sure. Yeah. What would you say to someone, Chuck, that's listening that either they are struggling themselves and they go to church, they're Christian, they're just too ashamed to confront or to publicly talk about their addiction. What would you say to that person or maybe someone like their child or whatever to, to have the courage to share? And to break free so, of this. So there's Celebrate Recovery. And if you go to CelebrateRecovery.com, there's a locator. There's also, if a lot of churches have them, there's Christ-centered recovery programs. There's three, four million people are in a 12-step program. But this has a step as well as the Bible verse. Rick Warren, him and John Baker, almost 30 years ago, started Celebrate Recovery. When I was going to Calvary House, it was free indeed, you know, based on John 8, 31 to 36. He says, if you abide in my word, You'll be my disciple. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then they go, oh, you've never been a slave to anyone. He says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. That sounds like a habit. That sounds like an addiction. And he says, but if the son, Jesus, sets you free, you're free indeed. So to answer your question, it has, 
the, in First John 1, 9, he says, Rick Warner, he says, if you just want to be forgiven by God, he says, First John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and purify you of all unrighteousness. So if that's all you really want is to be forgiven by God, that's all you really have to do. But in James, when he says, hey, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He says that, I hate to use the word magic, but that's where the miracle happens. When you start confessing your mess to one another, now you're praying for one another. Now you're going to find victory. There's just something about owning up, confessing to God and to someone else. And again, the Catholics are good at it. They have the confessional. They have the priest. He's a safe place. And a lot of people take issue with that. Oh, I don't have to confess to a priest. Priest, you don't have to, but you get to. And when you're speaking it out loud, admitting to someone else, and one of the steps is you confess to God and to someone I trust and to myself, what I'm doing is wrong. That's the denial stage, but also to someone else. And you don't have to tell everybody your business, but someone you can trust, you need to confess it. And it may not be your spouse because some of the stuff you confess to your spouse will wreck them. Yeah. They don't want, they don't, don't need to know some media. of the details. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's right. another show. Please put <laughs> it right, but please don't put it on social media. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Pastor Chuck, let me just go back for a moment. The years of addiction, because there are so many people, not necessarily drugs and pornography, but other kinds of addictions that they're plagued by. Food, it sounds like we're spending yeah. social media. So yeah. it sounds like when you were, in your addictions, you didn't seem to have a full awareness of just how serious a problem it was because you seemed like you were still playing the game of being a nice guy often enough so that life was making sense. Help people understand what we need to do to uncover the addictions. And then what do we do once we find, oh my gosh, I actually am addicted to this thing? Yeah, that's a good question. Most people, again, there's a stigma with that word addiction. You think of the guy on the corner who's yeah. like, Taking it could be his last breath any minute. He's just that far close to the edge. But, and Wendy, you mentioned quite a few things. If you just, you can Google it 10, 10 signs that you might be addicted to your technology, like yeah. phantom vibrates in your pocket that you normally have your phone. When your phone's not in your pocket, you feel that thigh muscle go and your phone's not even there. So there's some clear signs that addiction, technology, images, all that kind of stuff. But try to quit something. I would say pick something. Picking your nose. Try to stop picking your nose for 30 <laughs> days and you're going to see how hard it is. And then you realize, all right, now I have a problem. That's what kind of starts opening up the idea that, you know, God cares. He can help me and you can't do it alone. Jesus said before the night before I went to the cross, he says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit mm. He's also the counselor, the comforter. And he is doing the heavy lifting apart from him on pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's a lie. And, and God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. You know who God helps? The ones he asks for help. Lord, help! And he helps. <laughs> you call upon his name, and you, those who call upon their name will be saved. That's not always a heaven or hell saved. It's saved from stupid. Yeah. Saved, saved from the next from bad stupid. decision. Yeah. Proverbs 69, a man's heart plans his way. We all got a plan, but the Lord directs his steps. And you got to ask God, what's my next step? I mean, that, we can talk about that forever, yeah. but... Just, lead. I think the bottom line for a Christian is lead me. You know what I need better than I know what I need. Mm. Lead me to where I need to be around the people I need to be to get the help, to get the support and to be strengthened. It's the body. There's more than 50 one another in the New Testament. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. And that's the body 
ministering one to another. It's not the pastor. He's a great speaker. He's been studied up. He's got a message. He's got a sermon, but he's not the minister doing ministry. Ephesians 4.11 said, Jesus had gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers to equip the body for the work of ministry. Yeah. It's all of our jobs to work on each other. We God are knew our... that you would be obedient in his next steps for you. And he knew your heart well enough and your passion, your drive, and just your just the way you're wired to to get things done, to enable you or allow you to say yes to the call of being in this media ministry as well. So let's talk a little bit about Overcomers TV, which I am grateful to have visibly fit on as well. Yeah. But you yeah. are doing a mighty work there. So again, back to coming into Calvary House, my friend had a production company. We went to high school together, played little league baseball together. He realized I was in recovery. I had a couple months clean and he had a product. They were doing infomercials. So I said, hey, I need a better job than telemarketing. I'm now married. I have a little two, three-year-old. I need to make more than 15, 18,000 a year doing telemarketing. He says, Chuck, but can you handle the money? I'm like, because you're going to make a lot of money here. So my first year, 40 grand, 60 grand, 80 grand, 100 grand, 120 grand, selling $20,000 videos to corporations doing infomercials, seven-minute videos on all these things. So we started, a couple of us were doing Bible studies every day at work. And that was po powerful. That's cool. So if you're at work and you not, don't work at church, you can use the conference room, find a couple of Christians that you work with and say, hey, do you want to meet at lunch? Or do you want to meet at our 10, 15 break? Just to read a psalm. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for our marketplace. This mm. is our mission field. 99% of the body have a real job. And there's salt and light in the marketplace. So you have prayer and believers. You need to identify who your believers are in the marketplace. So now it's not just waiting till Sunday or Wednesday night, if you go to church on Wednesday night, to hang out with believers that are like-minded. So I would say that's important. But also, um, back when I thought I was going to be a rock and roll star at 18, 19, playing drums, playing keyboards, learning how to do mixing, taking a drama class, even with the wrong motives, God was already equipping me. Mm to do this. Nothing's wasted. That's what blows my mind. I would say before I had a clue, God knew right. what my calling was. And even for the wrong motives and running with the devil and practicing sin, some of those experiences and the things that you're learning along the way is for the calling. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have a caller show answering a call. God is a calling just like a manufacturer makes tools or a car. There's a purpose intended for that tool. Just like we're wired, you use that word, we're wired with gifts and talents for the big picture, for the big God's purposes. And once you realize what God created you for, usually what you're good at naturally and what you're passionate for, that's your zone. That, that's yeah. somewhere in there is the will of God for you to be using that for his glory versus building your own kingdom. I don't know if that really answered the question, but Overcomers TV is really a culmination of all that over the last 25 years. And when I looked at Christian television, I saw some kooky preachers. Again, Catholic boy, <laughs> no, non-denominational really? Calvary Chapel, didn't understand the Pentecostal yeah. realm. Like, yeah. That's a stretch. I'm like, and that's what the world sees is some kooky preachers. And they laugh at us. And I'm like, but there's so many cool Christians that are helping people. Right. I always like to say normal Christians. And so we just started interviewing normal people who are helping people because they have the love of God. So yeah. we're hoping to show, like I said, the rest of the body of Christ doing the work. Worker bees make all the honey. I Queen love that. Bee gets all the attention, that. but yeah. <laughs> and I, I love to Chuck that it's been enough time as well. You know, you don't 
cry when you share your story. You don't, you're so past it because you have received such love and grace from the Lord. And now you can just share your story that will impact so many other people. So with your, the church that you're working with and with Overcomers TV, and do you have maybe one or two stories of someone that has gone through your ministry assistance that you could share with us? Because, you know, our story you know, our testimony is something that yeah. can really help others. So just curious. So Todd mentioned Farmington, you know, it's right borderline the reservation. We have Shiprock, we have Gallup two hours away. The Navajo Nation is about the size of Rhode Island, a little over 250,000 to 300,000 Native Americans. It's the largest Native American people group in our country. We really did them an injustice, but they have an addiction rate 50% or higher. Fried bread is their staple food. Sugar Alcohol, they're drinking hairspray when they can't get alcohol, dying of brain tumors at 40. Again, your mess becomes your message. So I've got a lot of opportunity. So now, 15 years later, a lot of people have production capabilities. Look at you guys. You have your own show now. Decent mics, decent camera. Almost anybody who has a message has a platform to be able to start doing. They didn't. 15 years ago, they needed a television crew like us to come to town with the circus and the lights and set it up. And you saw what we did at NRB. There was 130 people broadcasting their shows now. Three, four years ago, there's maybe four or five of us doing live interviews and testimonies. So this industry is booming because of COVID, because of Zoom. Now we have all kinds of software and technology to capture more testimonies. We're getting close to the end because everybody on the planet is going to hear a testimony somehow, yeah. some way, some shape, some pre... Every preacher is recording their sermons now. It's not just for the 40, 50, or 100 people in the sanctuary. It's all searchable and findable. And that's a, what I would do if I was God to make sure everybody heard until the whole world hears. This is how they're doing it, and that they heard the good news. But so now I'm getting more practical opportunities to work with Navajo people. One of the guys at our church just kept relapsing, never had 30 days clean up until now. He's got nine months clean. So at the church, there was a three-bedroom apartment in the back that the old pastor 40 years ago used to live in, turned into a storage unit. We gutted it out, and I'm like, I can use this. This can be Calvary House. It wasn't five quadruplexes with 40 guys, but I can put five or six guys in this house and work with them. And we've been doing that for the last year, and we made a difference for about seven guys now. Wow. That's so it's that cool. pay-it-forward idea, right? Yes, yeah. I yeah. love it. I you love know what? It. I so love the fact that you are so passionate about how one can have a breakthrough or how one can overcome it. It's not through a whole program. Programs are important, but unless Jesus is at the center and the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver, a lot of these efforts just go in vain. And you're living proof of what God can do once you are and willing to just go with his flow. So thank you for being such an inspiration for the work you're doing out there. Hey, before we let you go, just a kind of a, a question you weren't expecting but is there anything, everybody probably in the area knows, that's a Jesus guy, that pastor guy, that preacher guy. <laughs> is there anything that you want to share with us that people don't know about Chuck Reesh? Something that... Oh, uh, some pretty good stuff. I you? know, I know. But is there, <laughs> anything in addition you know, to that, you like, play, like you play the cymbal. <laughs> or the accordion, or you're a terrible dancer or a great dancer, or is there anything that is a little unusual about Chuck most people don't know about? You don't, you might not know about me. And again, because after God has got rid of the rough edges, he's working fine tuning, but I just want to leave viewers with this one idea. We're all one decision away from stupid. And we have the flesh, we have free will and the smartest people who are wise have made mistakes and the whole world saw 
and it, it really disheartens a lot of people. Some great pastors and ministries have fallen from grace. And if you're a good fireman, you know how to put out fires and you get burned one day, you heal up and you go back and you put out fires. So I just want to encourage somebody who has a call in their life, who has fallen again and feels like I can't do it. God understands. I just want to this. I'm just, I'm just get up again. A righteous man falls seven times and get back up. So even if it's just a click on porn and then a whole good, healthy conviction comes on, you don't feel like witnessing tomorrow because now I just, I did what I shouldn't do. And you're feeling bad about it. Confess it, forsake it and start over today's day one. You still had a whole bunch of clean time that you can't take away yeah. 20 minutes of stupid. And then you're back on track as long as it's not fatal. And sometimes some of these sins can be fatal DUIs, overdoses, things like that can cause an early grave. But if you're still breathing, God still loves you. He'll show you mercy and grace. It's part of your testimony. And sometimes people in ministry, because they can be, become prideful when they have certain amount of victories, sometimes God will let you fall just to keep you humble, a little bit mm. of humble pie. Mm. So I would just encourage people to stay humble, but yeah. my life's an open book. So I don't really have many secrets. I probably am guilty of TMI, too much information. <laughs> my wife tells me all the time, TMI. I'm like, I like, but I like, I, yeah. I like the encouragement you're given just one line. You don't, you're quit. one decision away from stupid. One, that one's a good one. And don't quit trying to quit. I think that's profound, yeah, man. That's awesome. Thank you. We appreciate you, Chuck. I love being a yeah. part of Overcomers TV as well. Thank you for all you're doing in the kingdom. And uh, God bless you. Amen. You too. We look forward to doing some new shows as well soon. Likewise. All right. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. God bless Thanks, you. Chuck. So good. Yeah. It's interesting when you hear people's stories, right? Like it's just, you don't realize when you see them that, oh, wow, like that person went through that. You yeah. never know that looking at Chuck. You you could say that about yeah. every single one of us. True. Because oh, there are certain care. things. He's like <laughs> maybe playing on a rocket. Yeah, maybe yeah, it was kind of like an Alice Cooper type. <laughs> no. By the yeah, never mind. Uh so the reality is that every single one of us have got certain challenges that hold us back. Yeah. Certain things where we feel like we're the villain in because we haven't overcome it. And you've just heard a story that ought to encourage and inspire you that God can help you overcome through the power of his spirit. And he will, if we allow him to do the work that he desires to do in our life, yeah. right? Maybe there's a situation right now where you're just saying, I just have got to have a breakthrough in this. Just like you heard Pastor Chuck say, just call out to God, talk with him about it and Jeez. watch and see how he in his love for you will respond yeah. And help you and deliver you. That's so good. Yeah, because we are one decision away from stupid and we just don't have to go there. So be instead one decision away from a breakthrough and victory and be an overcomer. All right. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for spending this time with us here on Your Biggest Breakthrough. If you are looking for a breakthrough in your health and your well-being, make sure you go to wendypet.com. And if you are a woman that's looking to get health, healthy in that space, mind, body, spirit, emotions, that is what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Would love to assist you and help you along your journey. Yeah. And guys, if you want some help, just making certain that you are having a solid foundation built under you in your faith, in your family relationships, in your fitness, in your finances, I'd love to work with you. We've got a Facebook private group that you can join. Just go to toddisburner.com and you'll get all the information there. You can grab a copy of my book for free and, and join our group and, and acquire the online course that goes with it. Love yeah. to have you. Awesome. We appreciate you so much. We'll catch you next time on Your Biggest Breakthrough. 
head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment. And we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.